good to worship God. It's going to be great to hear from him in his word. If you'll open it with me uh, to Acts chapter 27, I'll preach there today. If you're visiting with us, welcome. Uh, we would love to uh, just be a part of your life, however God would allow. And so come and say hi to me in the corner or talk to the rest of our folks out at guest services. Uh, my name is Mark. Glad to be a part of this morning with you. Glory be to God. Can I pray for us this morning as we get going this morning? Let's pray. God, thanks so much for a chance to uh, open your word, to hear from you, uh, and to sense you even as we sang your songs. And, and, uh, and, and Lord, we just want to continue to hear from you uh, as we study together. And so get me out of the way. Speak in my place. I have nothing of worth uh, to share with anybody but you. Uh, of, you are of infinite wisdom. You are, of, um, you are the truth, God. And so we want to hear from you. Uh, give us your truth this morning. Uh, teach us, uh, assure us of your presence in, uh, in, the, in the stupid things that we do in life as we talk about that this morning. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. It's been 15 years uh, that I've been preaching Christmas sermons, and uh, this particular year, as, as we kind of look for different angles to come at the Christmas story with, God led us to this, uh, the verse in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where an angel speaks to Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus, and assures him, hey man, I know this is kind of crazy that your fiance is pregnant. Uh, I know she told you it was the Holy Spirit that made her that way, and you're kind of wondering if that's a thing. Uh, the angel says it is. He says, behold, the virgin shall conceive uh, and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was quoting Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and the prophet had foretold of the coming of this child who would be born of a virgin. Uh, the angel says, Joe, that, that's, that's Mary, and, and you're going to be a part of God's plan in raising God's son. Uh, Emmanuel, it's one of the many names that Jesus has given. Uh, it basically means uh, God, which is that little E-L there, and uh, is with us. Emmanuel means is present or is with us, God with us. Uh, Jesus was coming. He was going to put on skin, as it tells us in uh, Philippians chapter 2, that he would leave heaven and, and become a man, humble himself to the point where he became one of us. And he would live with us and, and, and live perfectly amongst us. He would teach us and heal us and guide us. And then at God's appointed time, he would go to a cross and die for us. Uh, he would be with us. And he remains with us. Uh, I'm so grateful that uh, Jesus... Uh, one, one of the, my favorite parts of, of the crucifixion story I told you last week is that as Jesus was dying on the cross and as he took his last breath, there was a curtain in the temple. And the temple uh, had always been seen as the presence, the very essence and presence of God dwelt in the Hebrew temple, in the Jewish temple. And, and when Jesus died, the curtain that was cordoning off the presence of God was ripped floor to ceiling, ceiling to floor, as a symbol of, of Jesus opening the doors not just to the general presence of God in all creation, that's always existed, but, but he, through his sacrifice, gave us this intimate relationship through our faith in him uh, with the God of the universe. He reconciled us uh, and, and was the, the key to us being uh, seen as holy and sinless so that we could be in the presence of God. God is truly with us. He's with us in all kinds of situations. We're talking about him this whole uh, last part of the year here as we get up to Christmas and have one more Sunday after that. Uh, last week we talked about God being with us in our pain. Is everybody grateful that God is with us in the hard things? He is. We, we talked about the fact that the valleys of life come and uh, God is there and he walks us through the tough things. Uh, Christmas time is often a tough time for some of our folks. It's 
a time when people get uh, discouraged. Maybe this is the first year that you're without one of your loved ones, and uh, they're going to be noticeably absent at your celebration this year. I want you to know God is with you. God will walk you through that hard uh, day, that hard time, uh, the sorrow and the pain that you feel. Uh, I've sensed even this morning as I've uh, in my own life experienced uh, some valley-type uh, experiences in the last couple days, uh, God's presence as we sang his songs, even as I've preached this message. This message, by the way, has been different every time. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 20 minutes here. Uh, so everybody buckle in. Um, but I trust that God is with me as, uh, as I preach, and God is certainly with me and you as we walk through difficult times. And next uh, week we'll talk about God being with us in our fear and we'll finish out the year with God being with us in our confusion. But today we want to talk about this, that God is with us in our folly. When was the last time you used the word folly in a sentence? Right? That's one we just throw around all over the place, folly. That is just folly. That, that man is, that driver in front of me is full of folly. Maybe that's not what you said. Anyway, uh, yeah, folly is this, this kind of ancient word that we see a lot in our scriptures, especially the Old Testament, uh, but we don't, don't use a lot in our day and age. Maybe if we made our own translations of the Bible, we would replace the word folly with stupid. In fact, that's what I wanted to call this message, God with us and our stupid. Has anybody got some stupid in them? Yeah, if your hand's not up, that was dumb. You should have put your hand up. Um, but all of us, we all make mistakes. We all uh, go the wrong way. We all choose incorrectly at times in life. And today we want to talk about the fact that God is ever-present, even in our folly, in our stupid. Now, let's start with some things that we can agree on. Everybody want to do that? Let's do it. Here we go. Can we all agree that life is choices? Not just that life is made up of choices, but just life in general is just a series of, of making up your mind, a series of we'll do this, not that. Now, from the moment you wake up in the morning, you're making choices until the moment you shut your eyes at night. It's just a choice after choice after choice experience, this life of ours, Right? Some of you chose to wear what you're wearing today. I can esteem some of those choices and others, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. I chose to wear this today. Feel how you feel. But, you know, we, even, even uh, listen, our choices kind of, they can be predetermined. Like we can choose yesterday to do something today, but then all of a sudden something happens today and we've got to switch the choices that we made yesterday. Yesterday morning, Eleanor and I got up and we were uh, already planning to go kayaking and then have breakfast out. We woke up to the rain on our roof, and I dodged kayaking. How's that? Uh, <laughs> no, I like kayaking. It's fun. Uh, but uh, uh, we, 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 had this, we still had the opportunity to maybe go out for some breakfast. But breakfast in Brandon on Saturday? Come on. What's, people, stay home. I want to go out to eat. But you're all out there, and you're all filling the restaurants. It's impossible to get a chair. So we stayed home. And, and these were just some of the decisions, some of the adjustments we had to make. Uh, because that's what life is. It's, it's adjustments, it's choices, it's decisions. Um, maybe we'll all agree with on this, on this one too. Decisions shape directions. What you decide determines your outcomes, your, your, your destiny in life. Our decision uh, to do this will create this in our future. Uh, we, could, we could say that decisions shape direction just, you know, uh, driving places, right? Like there's all kinds of different ways you can get somewhere, uh, but maybe... You know that I-4 is just going to be a mess, so you're taking 60 or whatever. I love, in these days uh, that we live in, you can actually punch in an address on your phone, and, and your map app will uh, point you in a direction, and your, your, your Siri or whoever you have gets really mad at you when you, you don't go the direction they want you to go, don't they? 
But, but you know, if, if I you know, cut down here, I can miss all the traffic at that one light. And they're all like rerouting, like they're you know, impertinent, rerouting, you know. But uh, our decisions shape our directions. Our decisions uh, shape our destinies. Uh, we become who we are based on what we've chosen. Uh, many of you are sitting. I, I had the joy of hanging out with Fred Stubbs. He, uh, uh, 80 years he spent on the earth this year. Way to go, Fred. Yeah, God for you. Uh, but his whole family's here. I don't mean to embarrass your brother, but his whole family came in to celebrate his birthday with him. And uh, that section of our room over there is the product of many decisions. <laughs> Eileen uh, chose to accept Fred's, uh, you know, you know, offer of marriage, and, and they, you know, had their daughters, and their daughters had their kids, and, and they've lived where they've lived, and they've gone where they've gone, and it's all been the product of choices that I trust God was a part of. And all of us, can we all agree? All of us. Our life's direction has been shaped by our decisions. Now, as, as we move forward into the scripture, uh, let's agree, even if you can't, because you don't know the Bible that well, let's agree that the Bible says this, wise people make God decisions and fools don't. I could have said wise people make good decisions, but I thought we'd take it up a notch. Wise people make God decisions. They follow God. They honor God. They choose God's path and God's way. And the Bible's really clear. If you choose to forsake God in his wisdom, you're a fool. I learned this in uh, the book of Proverbs. It's the first book I studied uh, when I first kind of came online with Jesus. I'd been in the church for a long time. My dad was a pastor. I'd been kind of Christian. I don't know what you'd call it, but, but I was in college when I really got cranked up about Jesus, and one of the first books I ever studied with any kind of interest or hunger was the book of Proverbs. And, and you don't have to go far into Proverbs to understand this whole wisdom folly thing. It's just all over it. And uh, it actually likens wisdom and folly to women's voices Solomon uh, wrote most of the book of Proverbs, and he's, he's actually leaving like a memoir, a, a, a mandate to his sons, the princes, and he's saying, here, guys, here's how I'd prefer you to live. This is how God would prefer you to live. He says, there's two girls in your life, fellas. There's one who's a fool. She's folly. And she comes and slinks up to you and tempts you with all kinds of earthly stuff, and, and you're going to be pulled in her direction. It is a part of your nature. But I say to you, listen for the girl who is wisdom. Listen for her voice. She cries out from the streets. Now, she's the one that God would have you follow because she's the one who will point you towards his will and his ways. Proverbs opens with this verse. Chapter 1, verse 7 basically kind of gives the whole summary of what the book is about. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools, on the other hand, despise wisdom instruction. It basically says this, Solomon says this, fellas, if you just want square one of smart, if you just want to just begin on a path that will be wise and honorable and, and lead to your life's success, fear the Lord. Not fear in, in terms of just, you know, angst and, you know, horror movie type fear, although we should have a healthy respect for God. Does everybody agree he's a little bit scary? Like, like he's God. Not scary in this, here's what I mean. When it says fear, it doesn't mean just be scared of God. It means be in awe, be in wow over this God who has created you, who has loved you, and who has appointed for you a path, all of us, uh, that will be best for glorifying him and uh, giving us success. He says, 
Let that be the focus of your life. Fear the Lord. It's the beginning of knowledge. He goes on. Maybe there are some verses that are familiar to you. I'll start reading them. You'll recognize probably a lot of you, uh, these words. It says, trust in the, chapter 3, Solomon writes, he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Who's read that one before? Yeah. Don't, don't trust yourself. Trust and follow God. If you, if you go with the person in the mirror, folly. Eventually, folly. If you go with the God of the universe, good on you. That path will be straight. Maybe you don't know the next verses. It says this in verse 7. It says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. I'm grateful that God is good when it comes to our choices, to, to point us in the direction of his wisdom. God is good to give us direction towards wise choices. He does it in at least three different ways, maybe more, but these are the three main ones, I think. First of all, he's given us his word. If you've got a Bible on your phone or otherwise, kind of hold it up for me. Just real quick. So I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, go ahead, you can put them down. That's, that's the greatest treasure of your life. Other than your relationship with God, and, uh, you know, maybe on par, well, we don't want to have this debate. I'll tell you what, your Bibles are pretty, pretty special because your Bibles encase the wisdom and will of God for your life. You know, a lot of times people come to me and they say, Mark, what's the will of God in my life? And, and I can't say everything specifically, certainly this, but I can say 95% of it's in the book. Consult it. When it says uh, to do things, do them. When it says to not do them, don't. You'll be wise if you live that way. You know, this started early with the first humans, right? Now, God, not in a written form, but in his actual words, uh, kind of put some signposts up for Adam and Eve. He gave them, you know, their, their, their marching orders, be fruitful, multiply. He said to Adam, tend the garden, you know, be, be the caretaker of my creation. But then he had just one rule. Does anybody remember the one rule? Genesis chapter 2, verse 15. Hey, there's this one tree. Don't eat the fruit of that tree. One rule. How'd we do? Yeah. And how have we been doing since? Yeah, God sets the signs out. He, he posts, uh, you know, the, the, the declarations. He, he says, hey, danger. Don't hop this fence. He's good to do that for us. And I'll tell you, if we heed his word, if we follow his will revealed there, life goes better. It just does. He's good to give us his word. He's also good to give us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is uh, uh, God. He's a member of the Trinity. Uh, but we understand that he is the one who comes alongside us. That's what his Greek name means. He's the paraclete. He, he comes next to us, and he actually seeks to guide us in life. And so... Let's say that you haven't read this section of the Bible that helps you with this particular situation. Let's say that you're kind of new to the Bible and you don't even have one. Guess what? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God in the form of the Holy Spirit comes to you and says, hey, buddy, don't do that. Who's ever heard that voice? Anybody ever heard that voice? They've characterized it in uh, cartoons as the, the devil and the angel. Yeah, that angel on, on, on that shoulder is, is if, if we really want to theologically be correct, it's the Holy Spirit coming to us and saying, hey, man, that's not the best. And we see, just listen, 
We see God himself doing this early on in the human story. I mean, Adam and Eve uh, make their boo-boo in Genesis chapter 3. Boo-boo. They make their bad mistake in Genesis chapter 3. And then in the very next chapter, we get the story of their sons. These guys, Cain and Abel. Anybody remember their story? If you don't, here's how it goes. Cain and Abel were, you know, hanging out. And God said, hey, it's time to worship me. Bring me some, uh, some, some of your, you know, uh, Cain was a farmer. Abel was a herdsman. He says, bring me an offering. Cain, if you remember, brought lesser vegetables, canned vegetables, something from way back in his, you know, pantry. Not really. I'm making that up. All right. Uh, but then Abel brings the very best of his flock. And anybody remember what happened? Cain's sacrifice rejected by our God. Abel's sacrifice esteemed. And, and, and right after that, we go to the scene where uh, we, we see the reactions. Anybody seen reaction videos on YouTube? Yeah, Cain has a reaction. And his reaction is murderous. He is furious. He's humiliated. He's jealous of his brother. And we pick up the story with God himself coming to Cain in his moment of temptation and trying to talk him down. The Lord says to Cain, why are you so angry? Why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? He's basically saying, hey, buddy, slow down. Don't let your emotions rule you. Who's needed that talking to? In that fight last night with your wife or your husband? Maybe the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, calm down, cowboy. Think about your next move. If you could just quell the fire in you right now, if you could just put that out and start handling this properly, won't things go well for you? Will you not be accepted? But then he, he does like any good father. He says, but listen, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen if you don't. He says, if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Who's ever done that with their kid? Honey, you got a choice right now. If you, if you choose to put your dish in the sink like I told you to and not throw it at your brother, you can stay up the rest of the night. It'll be great around here. But if you throw that plate at your brother's head one more time, hopefully you caught him on the first one. But if you throw that plate, you're going to go to bed for the rest of the month. Think about that. And then you let him choose, right? That's what God does with Cain here and with us. He says, hey, warning. If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. His desire is contrary. Its desire is to crush you. Sin wants to make a mess in your life. But with my help, we can conquer sin, God says. And the Holy Spirit comes to us and whispers the same thing. Hey, if you'll only trust me, if you'll only follow me, we can walk out of this. We can defeat this addiction. We can... We can do something different. We can do something wise instead of all this stupid that you've been pulling off around here. If you know the story, anybody remember Cain's decision? Yeah, he, he didn't listen. That's so uh, singular. No, no one else in humanity has ever done that, gotten the, the word of God you know, whispered to them by uh, God himself and said, you know what, no thanks. No, we do it all the time. But God is good to give us his word. God is good to convict us. And to show us, uh, he teaches us finally to, to pray about foolish things. Now, you're like, where's that, Mark? It's in the Lord's Prayer. Anybody remember how the Lord's Prayer ends? Uh, uh, lead us not into 
but deliver us from... Yeah, what an interesting thing for Jesus to tell his disciples to pray on a daily basis. Hey, when you pray, pray something like this. Start with worship. Ask God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Ask for your daily bread. Be content with what you get. But then when it comes to the future that you're about to face, ask him to be your force field. Ask him to be your savior, your rescuer. I can't tell you how many times I've been unwise and had someone rescue me. Uh, I was a young boy, uh, about six years old, and I got a G.I. Joe, the tall one, the one that could be Barbie's boyfriend. Not the little one, because, you know, the tall one. And uh, he had the kung fu grip and the fuzzy beard, the whole thing. Uh, you could get outfits to go with G.I. Joe, and this one particular year, I got an outfit to go with G.I. Joe that was the paratrooper outfit. And in the paratrooper outfit came an actual parachute. I mean, it was this huge thing. And because G.I. Joe was hollow plastic, if you put the parachute on G.I. Joe and wrapped it up just right, you could throw him you know, as high as a six-year-old could, and the parachute would unfurl, and then the parachute would actually work. The physics were just so that this little piece of plastic hovering over this hollow piece of plastic made it float gently to earth. And I played with it for hours, and then I finally had this conclusion in my six-year-old brain, I can do that too. <laughs> and so I went into my parents' uh, kitchen, and I got one under the sink where they kept the garbage bags, and I got one of these big garbage bags. And I took it outside for a test run. Who's done this? Testify. Come on. All right, man. If you can kind of get it going, it fills up like a parachute. And I was like, this is totally going to work. <laughs> so I crawled up on my picnic table. And I started at the back of the picnic table. And I started running as fast as I could. And I put the parachute over my head. And I jumped off. And I landed. And nothing broke. And I was like, I was saved by my garbage bag parachute. So we had to take it up a notch. So I got up on the porch of my house, and I got up on the railings, because that's where six-year-olds live. Don't just walk on the regular porch. Walk on the railings. Walk on the, the armrests. I got up way up there, and I'm tiptoeing, you know, as fast as I can. I put my parachute over my head, and I jumped off, and nothing broke again. Two for two. I mean, I'm going to be rich. I'm going to sell garbage bags to six-year-olds around the world. And we'll be parachuting all over the place. But I needed one more test. And so I went to the edge of my porch where the railing met the rain spout. And I had already known from a previous adventure how I could crawl up the rain spout and get on the edge of my roof. And I was throwing my bag up over the edge of the roof when my mom came out on the porch. My mom's initial mode was always, she was like, hey, how about we don't do that, mom? Has anybody got that, mom? Hey, bud. I know you're kind of in this precarious area where you might fall and break everything, but how about we don't do that? Uh, I was uh, a debater. Uh, probably worked out well for my future career, but uh, uh, verbally I was advanced, and so I started to explain to my mom how I was going to make all the money in the world, and you need to let me get up on this roof so I can jump off with this great parachute. And that's when mom shifted gears from being the, hey, how about we don't do that, mom, to being get down right now, mom. Has anybody got that, mom? Yeah, things got serious. It got really, really serious really fast. My mom saved me from a sure broken something uh, because she was my wisdom. She was uh, the voice who came to my aid. Uh, she was uh, the one who was my protector. I hadn't prayed that morning the Lord's Prayer and asked to be delivered from stupid. 
Uh, but mom, act in that way. And God wants to do that for us every day. He wants to deliver us from evil. He wants to lead us away from temptation. He wants to be the one who guides us in all of life. I don't know where you are in the whole God story, and maybe you were with him as a younger man or woman, and you're kind of out right now because it's just not cool to be with God right now in our culture. And, and, but you're here because it's near Christmas, and you're with family, and so you're kind of sitting with, you know, eye on the clock, and is it over at 12? Was it over? I don't even know. And, uh, and, and, but it, but here, here, here's why I think you're here, if that's you. I, I think you're here to hear that there is a God, he loves you. He's crazy about you. But he's left you to make up your own mind in life. He's letting you choose. And you think, like Romans says, that you're wise. You claim to be wise. You claim to have everything nailed. You've gone to college and you've listened to those professors and they're smarter than me and anybody else. And so they've told you there's no God. And so that's you. Anybody got those kids? Maybe you're one of those kids. But here's what the Bible says. Hey, I get it. The world's going to tell you that there is no God, and that if there is a God, he's, he's not worth your time. And, and you can be your own God, and you should choose as you want. But the Bible says, and God says, that road will always lead to destruction. But there is this path that God so desperately wants us to walk. It's what his word's all about. It's what his whispers are all about. It's what he made prayer all about. He wants to be our guide. The question is, are we going to let him? I get to travel from time to time uh, in Christian work around the world and uh, as a missionary. Uh, this is typically how every trip starts. You went with me this summer, Russ. You know how this works. Uh, you get in a plane wherever we are here in Tampa, and, uh, and you fly way too long across oceans, and, uh, and then if you're, like we were going to Uganda this summer, when you get to Uganda, here's the deal. You're landing in a country uh, where you are the vast minority uh, as a white person, which is fine, but uh, you walk out bleary-eyed into a sea of faces that you don't recognize any of. Uh, and uh, in, in previous trips, my only hope, like once I got my luggage and got through customs, which was a prayer-filled experience, my only hope in coming out of the terminal was to find someone uh, who was either holding a placard with my name on it or who had seen my picture and as a part of the organization that we were serving with would be like, that's our white guy. <laughs> and he'd walk up to me and he'd say, Pastor Mark, you're with me. And then the tension would subside because I'm like, oh, we found him. Our host, the one who knows this country, the one who brought the vehicle that we'll put all our stuff in and ride wherever we're going to with, he has the understanding of this place that I don't know. He has the ability to carry me where I need to go next. That's our God, isn't he? Uh, we've, we've shown up. We've done our part, we've landed where we are, and, and now the rest of today lies ahead of us. Tomorrow, God willing, comes as well, right? And we'll wake up, our eyes will open, the decisions will start. Here's my prayer for you and your decisions with the rest of this day and with every day that comes after. 
I pray that you will pray for God's wisdom to guide you. For God to pick you up at that curb and to put you in his vehicle, his care, and that he'd walk you through the rest of your life. I have more to preach, but I think that's enough. I think that's enough because that's something that God's teaching me. God's teaching me that I need to trust him as your pastor, uh, as, a, as a fellow follower. God's teaching me. He's teaching me to let Jesus be the center of my life. Uh, he's teaching me that I, I need to have a renewal of my faith and a, and a renewing of my spirit. I need to be corrected and directed just like everybody else in here. And I need to know that God's way smarter than me, that I can trust him. He's wise where I am not. Maybe that's you too. Maybe that's where you find yourself. Anybody ever gotten to the point where you feel kind of dry? Kind of separated in your relationship with God? Wrestling with what's next? Disenchanted with what's been? Come on. Anybody out there? Yeah, happens, right? It happens. What I've discovered in my moments that are marked by those things is that I'm just leaning into my own understanding. I might not be meaning to, but I'm, I'm being a fool. And God, God has so much more for me and for you if we'll only look to him and trust him and follow him. Love him from the inside out. Call on him as our everlasting. May God give us the grace and the strength to do that. Will you stand with me as we sing? Thousand tons of fail, still your mercy remains. And should I stumble again, still I'm caught in your Your light will shine when all else fades, never ending. Your glory goes beyond all things. My heart and my soul, I give you control. Consume me from the inside.
There's a line in there about control. And at the center of the wisdom, folly conversation is that, control. Who's got it? Is it you? Is it me? Or is it the God who deserves it? I don't know what you're going through in life, but I pray that with me you will seek to cede control of your destiny, of your decisions, to the God of all wisdom and truth, and that you trust him with every step that you take. Let me pray that for us today. God, thank you for your word and uh, for revealing truth in it to us, uh, for setting the guideposts and the signs for a wise life. Um, thank you for your spirit and for guiding us and directing us in the decisions that we make. Um, uh, thank you for the power of prayer and for us to um, you know, pray protection over ourselves and those that we love from folly and foolishness. I, I pray, God, that we would all take seriously every, um, every choice that we make that will shape the direction of our lives. Help us um, uh, to know your will, to hear your voice, and to seek you and to follow you in everything that we do. Give us um, wise decisions that lead to a life that glorifies you most and that provides us everything you hope for us. Uh, that's my prayer for us as a church. It's my prayer for us as your people. It's my prayer for me in my life with you, Lord. And I pray it in the name of your son who is worthy. He's the lamb. Uh, he's the center. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said, 